Ian Doctor. And this is Fishing Stories. We're taking a turn from Canada, which we did last with Paula Shearer, and we are going for warm water. Yep. Today's episode, we have Captain Benny Blanco. Out of Florida. Um, he is a incredible guide. Um, has been doing it for a long time and a passionate conservationist and advocate for uh, water quality in Florida specifically. So obviously we have a lot in common with the loving fishing, but also the conservation bent. So we had a great time chatting with Benny. I hope you enjoy his stories. Here we go. Captain Benny Blanco, is that you? Yes. Not to be confused with the world famous pop star. Uh, No, (laughs) this is the only Captain Benny Blanco that I know of. That's right. Although arguably more handsome. Okay. I'll take that. (laughs) <laughs> Definitely better hair. <laughs> well, today we are joined by the one and only Captain Benny Blanco out of Florida. And if I were to introduce you, even though we just met you, I would put conservationist as your top line item, then fishing guide, then TV show host. What am I missing? Uh, dad of three amazing little girls who are you know, blowing my mind every single day. Awesome. What age ranges are we talking here? Um, I'm going to totally age myself here, but my youngest is 14. I now have an 18 year old and a 19 year old. I mean, people can have children young. So (laughs) as my mom says, you're still just a young guy. That's right. I appreciate that. (laughs) That's awesome. Do they get out on the water with you? They do. Uh, Unfortunately, their schedules are super busy. And of course, mine is too. So it's not as much as we'd like. But when the opportunity arises, we jump. Yeah, I bet. I can imagine that. So you're in Florida, but where are you fishing primarily? So I'm located in the very southern tip of Florida. I I guide from Key Biscayne all the way down to Isla Mirada, and then predominantly in Everglades National Park in Florida Bay, which is the bay that, that separates the Keys from the Everglades. Yep, I can picture that. A beautiful part of the country, but... As we discussed, you are a conservationist, and I know that you are working very hard to take care of your own backyard over there. Yes. It's a, you know, I just wanted to be a guide. And quickly you realize when you do anything on the water down here that we, you know, we have major problems and we have to speak up for them. Um, Otherwise, no one will really, no one will do it. No one really understands it like we do. Yeah. And we're not guides. You know, we run like a little fishing apparel company, but from the beginning, we've, always recognize that we need to speak up for the places where we recreate. Yeah. And I think, you know, where you are is so interesting because it's so easy to fall victim to that shifting timeline, right? Of, you know, we, we lose via generations, what that bait, that shifting baseline, right. Of like where we were. And unfortunately things have happened so fast in your neck of the woods that, we can really see it even in one generation, what's sure. happening, right? It, it's so rapid. Um, which For sure. I, I think it's one of the biggest issues we have because uh, in Florida, we have, what, a thousand people moving here every week. Um, we have new guides every single day. And I hear it all the time. A, a little a guide at the ramp just had his, what is a great day for him? Well, I wouldn't even register on my radar as a good day. And um, the, the, you know, the perception of what reality is, is way off. Um, But to give you a perfect example of it, my oldest daughter in just her short time on the water has seen so much change that she wants to do something to do about it. And she's, 
at FIU uh, studying water at the Water Resources Lab. And, you know, it's just an example of, you know, even a 19-year-old in her short period of time can identify that there's major problems and we have to speak up. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And your main affiliation conservation-wise is Captains for Clean Water, correct? It is. Absolutely. You know, they are, they represent me. I'm a, I'm a right. fishing guide. I'm a captain for clean water. Um, and as that, that description, you know, transcends just the guide community and, and goes into the outdoor community as, as evidenced by, you know, our, our recent February fight in Tallahassee, where we've got signatures from every single state um, in and outside of our country. Um, just a perfect representation of what really a grassroots organization is about what outdoor community coming together is about. So yes, Captain's for Clean Water is, is my organization for sure. That's awesome. And you were instrumental in leading the charge to get everybody to show up for that event, as I understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's about ge- geography a little bit. You know, Daniel and Chris, who founded Captain's for Clean Water, are from the West Coast of Florida. And while, you know, outside, if you live outside of the state of Florida, you think all of us are really close, but really we're not. They're three hours away from me. I represent the other side of the Everglades. Um, our two fights are different, but connected. And so I rallied everyone on my side of the glades and they rallied everyone on their side of the glades. And we met in Tallahassee um, for history making, a couple of history making days in February. Yeah. Awesome. It's not often that just one group like that fishing guides, you know, you just never think that that's the group that's going to all show up and be like, look, we're here to talk. People think that we're all just fish bums out there. And that's all we care about is just catching fish. But if there's no fish to catch, like, what are we going to do with ourselves? It's very true. You know, I'm sure I don't have to explain to you guys, but fishing guides are super dynamic people in general. Uh, We're, we're weirdos, but we are marketers and we're, you know, outdoorsmen and we are tinkerers we are mechanics you know we're all these things and um i think in this last 10 years we've realized that we are primarily conservationists and um, as we became more educated um, we understood that the legislators looked at us like you know when they think about fishing guides they thought about some guy with a straw hat sitting with overalls on the side of a canal (laughs) with a cane pole and a bucket of worms and um, we're not that. We are this dynamic group of educated individuals who are super passionate about the water and the woods that we love. And this last 10 years, we've become so engaged that it's really been the igniter, the change that's necessary. Um, because we have all these scientific organizations that have the science, that have the ability to go get that stuff, but they do not have the passion that we have. And um, and also the, the fearlessness, you know. You put me in a room with a congressman and I'll go toe to toe with every single one of them because they're not my bosses. They work for me. I was going to say, you are their boss. That's right. <laughs> Quite literally. That's right. And the science community, they have to, you know, they have to tread lightly because a lot of their grants are dictated by organizations that fund those people. And so there's a little, there's a, there, you know, there's a fine line to walk. But as a guide, you know, there's no congressman's going to tell me that I'm wrong about the water that I love and seen it my entire life. And so there's a lot of power and passion. There's a lot of power in passion. And so I'm just grateful that Daniel and Chris started Captains. I'm grateful that I I realized that platform was there and I just ran with it and that we are seeing progress now after after all these years of fighting. Absolutely. Awesome. Garrison and I always talk about how probably no two anglers are alike, you know, exactly. But 
it's really hard to meet someone who loves fishing and is also a boring person. <laughs> right. Like, we are all just very eccentric people for different reasons, but you know, the tie that binds us is just the love to be on the water. So. Yeah. If you're like, have been in the fly fishing industry or community for a very long time, you're usually not boring. That's no. Sure. <laughs> no, you're not boring. You're not going to stand for any boring. That's, That's sure. right. That's so true. That's right. Well, speaking of all these amazing places that you're so passionate about and this time on the water, we're here to hear a fishing story. So we're wondering if maybe you have one for us. I have so many fishing stories. <laughs> I'm sure um, you do. I've been guiding for 24 years and I um, I absolutely have created these relationships with, with all these clients that um, are you know priceless. And uh, every one of them usually starts on some epic story. So I've got a ton, but I've got, I've got one that kind of wraps in the conservation side too, as, as you probably guessed. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and it probably will tug on some heartstrings. Uh, I have, um, in the last eight years, we've been doing a, um, a Project Healing Waters event down in Alamorada. Um, it was a wild idea by one of the colonels who was basically mimicking everything I did out in the Everglades. Uh, every time I looked over my shoulder, there was a little skiff behind me, and he was just <laughs> trying to figure out how to fish. And um, I, I met him at the ramp one day, and um, he, tell, he told me that he was a retired colonel. Uh, in the Marine Corps, and that he had all these, he fell in love with the Everglades, and it saved him. You know, it it gave him purpose again. And um, as it's not a surprise for me, and you heard my story at IFTD, I, you know, the water saved me. So that was an instant link. And um, and he went on to tell me that he had he had all these Marines that fought underneath him that were struggling with life. And you know, he he threw out this number twenty two, and it's. Um, these wounded veterans that were taking their own lives every single day. And it, it just really affected him. And so he started a chapter in South Florida, Project Healing Waters, and asked if I would help get six of his wounded warriors on the water. And we did that. The first year we did it. And immediately I was like, I mean, touched to my core uh, with the ability, our ability to just take a, a, a wounded veteran out on the water and show them what we see every single day, take for granted, and watch their lives change. Right. Um, that, that impacted me in, in immensely. And so we built it. I, I mean, as, if you know a little bit about me, I, I, six is not enough. I wanted to get as many of them in Alamrata as possible. I wanted the entire community involved. I wanted every guide involved. So we moved it to August when everybody was not busy. Um, I'm, and Alamrata was empty and all the businesses needed work and and uh, and we moved it to August, and uh, the last few years we did we did thirty five um, Purple Heart recipient wounded Marines in Alamorada. Every single guides after they heard about it were calling me asking to give a day. Um, <laughs> it was great. We had the superintendent from the park come. We had, I mean, it was just epic. And so uh, that's the precursor of the story. That one this very last year. Um, this Marine comes in and he's wide eyed, you know, most of the Marines when they come in initially are, are not very wide eyed. They're, you know, eyes down, uh, very quiet, reserved, you know, they don't know what to expect. And, you know, they've been to these events before and they end up being like photo op opportunities and they don't really know what it's about. And, and this one Marine walks in and immediately locks eyes with me, like across the room, he smiles ear to ear and like levitates. 
across the room, <laughs> straight to in front of me. And he got in like 400 words in 30 seconds. And, and I didn't, I really don't understand. I don't really remember exactly what he said, but the gist of it was he'd been watching Isla Murata and fishing and reading all lefty craze books and watching this show and saw Fordyce and what, you know, name dropping and just over and over and over again, how excited he was. And, oh my God, Benny, it would be, you know, it would be an unbelievable pleasure to be on your boat tomorrow. I don't know who, who assigns it. And it was just like, so many words in so little time and and i grabbed him and i took him over to the to the colonel and i said look this this gentleman needs to be on my skiff tomorrow he made it happen and uh i come to find out the next morning through a thousand more words in the first minute that he had never caught a bonefish before and that was his dream you know for his entire career and that's that's what kept him on it was one of the things that kept him alive when he was overseas was that he wanted to come back and catch a bonefish and so, I mean, my singular mission that day was to get him his bonefish. And uh, we drove 45 miles north and he had shot after shot and lesson after lesson. He had no double haul. He, you know, it was, it was a mission and um, probably had 35 shots throughout the day. And I was, I was getting to that level of frustration where I wasn't sure I could actually make it happen for him and um, went and checked this one last spot, literally no time left and i pull up as i'm pulling up i see this this big mud and the mud just i mean it was like a it was a gift from above 100 <laughs> percent. and uh, i pulled in there asked him to make a shot and the fl when the fly landed and that fly line started going i i really think that there was like a shine of of light from the heavens that came yeah, down he, <laughs> he was crying and laughing and jumping and I mean, there's so few opportunities in your lifetime where that you get to affect someone's life to that level. And, um, you know, I would just, I feel so blessed to be able to do those kind of things for those special people all the time. And uh, that guy now is one of my best friends. He comes every year. He rallies troops to come down. Like, you know, if, if I could bottle his energy for... Yeah you know, this fishery for this sport, for conservation, for saving the U S for fighting for the U S I mean, we could, we could save the world. So that's I mean, my perseverance story. through all of that alone is incredible for sure. And, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I have so many fishing stories and all of them usually end up some revolve around some epic catch, you know, and this, and the, the, the battle, the perseverance to get it, to make it happen. But, but to have one that actually truly affects someone's life is, is special. And he shared it with me and I, you know, he, he thanks me all the time. And I, I honestly can't thank him enough for coming to me and giving me that opportunity and letting me share it with him. And, you know, if only every guide on in the country could experience how important their fishery is to someone like that, they yeah. probably would be standing with me next to me in Tallahassee and DC fighting for it, just like I do. For sure. One, even just from a passion for the sport perspective, you know, I'm sure you've seen thousands of bonefish in your day, right? So to have this guy on your boat who's so fired up and this is like his dream and his goal, and it doesn't need to be an eight pounder. It just needs to be a bonefish. It just needs to be brought like, to the boat. <laughs> that that gets me fired up. You know, that's like for sure. It gets gets you kind of reinvigorated into the sport and 
and gets rid of any little inklings of jaded, you know, perspectives that you have at that point. For That's sure. Awesome. I mean, um, it, that bonefish did end up being pretty close to eight pounds. Oh, wow. See, even better. <laughs> but, um, but you're right. It, it didn't matter. I, I've never been, you know, so happy to see a bonefish. And um, uh, he didn't, you know, he wasn't prepared for the run or the fight. And it was so funny and uplifting. And, you know, guides experience that kind of stuff all the time. You know, we, we take people out and we get their first tarpon ever. We get their first redfish ever. We get their first trout ever. We get all these, we, we do all these amazing things every day. And I, I think a lot of, a lot of us take that for granted. A lot of us lose um, the love for that, that piece. And, and um, I, that's why I love the fact that you want to do these podcasts on fishing stories because everybody can relate to an epic fishing story. Everybody exactly. can get fired up to talk about what they've done, you know, to share a story when they hear another one's story. So uh, I love this and um, I can't, I can't thank you enough for letting me like, tell it on a, on a bigger stage. Um, I've been trying to figure out a way to, I don't even know how to put it in words, honestly, other than how I just did. Well, I love it. I'm, I'm not a guide. I've never been a professional guide, but you know, I've been fishing for a long time now and spent a lot of days on the water. And so I, three years ago, it's probably 20, 2019 must have been my first year I volunteered for Casting for Recovery, which is sort of a similar healing type organization as as Project Healing Waters. And they take women who are recovering or recovered um, from breast cancer out on the water. And it's the one day of guiding I do a year. And I'll be doing my third year uh, starting in June this year. I have actually get two days this year. But last year, I remember, you know, we set up and it's trout fishing, right? Because we're in Colorado and we get to go to this private ranch and they stock the ranch with like huge fish (laughs) the day before. There's no shortage of giant fish around. There's some wild, like normal fish in there, but there's also some stocked, just giant fish. And when I heard the concept, I'm like, oh my God, these poor women, it's going to be their first day ever fishing. And we all know that like anxiety of, am I going to do it right? And women tend to do it even more than men. Just question, am I good enough? Can I do it? And then you have the first fish that they ever hooked be just like this monster. (laughs) And the woman I was with was crushing it. I mean, she had like the best roll cast. This is like, you don't need to be casting a million yards you know she's got like the roll cast down then we get like a little tiny mini double haul so she could get to the top of the run and the fish just weren't there and I was like oh my god how are we gonna be the people that don't land a fish today or even see a fish so we got word that there was like a nice run full of fish down below we traded with some women who just grace graciously gave us their spot and she hooks this fish and it just ripped across the current like dolphin jumping across the current and she looks at me and goes what do I do and I was like we're not getting that fish today that that one's gone we're gonna forget about that one but like literally next cast she got one we landed it and the smile I mean I know what you're describing with your experience the smile the joy the laughter and it brings me back to guess what this we're doing this because it's fun 
We're doing this because it heals us from whatever. It could be one bad day. It could be past trauma. It could be anything, but we do it because it's fun. It makes us laugh. It brings us together with people we love and on places that we love. For sure. I, yeah. I, I, I love that story. I, you know, I, um, I love that you're not a guide and that you got to experience that because like I said, I think it's super special and fairly unique to guiding in general, whether you're a hunter or a fisherman and to be able to experience is pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, in that moment, you, you know, you're just grateful to have done it, but you get to live it again. Like you get yeah. to live that. I got to live that first bonefish again. I, I all day long, I was I lost all of my you know memory of catching a bonefish, and all I wanted him to do was hook that first fish. Yeah. And, and when he did, it was you know I mean. Again, look, I'm talking about it like it was yesterday and it was five years ago. I mean, yeah, um, that's great. It's just the best. It's it's the best. And the next thing he does is FaceTime his wife and he FaceTimes his dad and he FaceTimes his (laughs) major. You know, it's it's exactly what I would do if I, you know, was a fan of fly fishing and got into it and caught my first fish, too. You know, it just uh, it makes it really makes you appreciate, you know, what. Uh, everything about this sport, the, the place and the, the fishing and the, the fish and the camaraderie and the teamwork. And, you know, um, it really is healing. Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water Apparel. For those of you who don't know, we are the co-founders and owners of Rep Your Water, where we make everything from hats, sun shirts, merino blend sun hoodies, whiskey glasses, teas, and much more. All of our products feature unique designs and all of them support our conservation partners. To see the latest and learn more, check out our website, www.repyourwater.com. Fishing Stories is also brought to you by Lock & Co. Whiskey. Distilled right here in Colorado and finished with hand-cut, charred Colorado Aspen wood discs, this smooth and yet complex whiskey is as unique as any trout stream. It's a staple on our bar at home and is delicious served as is or even mixed in a cocktail. To learn more, go to www.lockandcodistilling.com. Lock spelled with an E. It really is healing. Whether whether you are, um, you know, a, a wounded veteran who just fought for your country and, you know, now are having struggling with life, or you're just an average Joe who works nine to five, Monday through Friday, and, you know, you're stressed out with life and you need to have a, a day every week to, to Breath just- Breath of fresh you know? No yeah. Way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a healing, there's a healing power in all of our water and woods. There is no doubt. Definitely. Now, Florida Bay for me makes me think about big laid up tarpon. Is that a fair association? <laughs> yeah, for sure. We are um, very, very time appropriate because we are in tarpon season and all I've been doing is uh, getting acquainted, reacquainted with all my friends who come and go every single year. The big yeah, silver. It seems like there's been some big ones around. There have been a lot of big ones around, yeah. And I had uh, I had two ladies on my boat yesterday who fly here every year from California for a couple of days, and they've been dreaming about tarpon for all year long. And um, they're not quite there yet from a skill set perspective, um, but but I got to show them their first several hundred tarpon, and I mean, I mean, their their lives have changed yesterday. Um, <laughs> they they really underestimated the size of the fish and um and i'm kind of glad that we didn't really stick one yesterday i think they're gonna have need another year of of thinking about it and preparing for it so that i think it'll be safer for both parties if that happens (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but uh, yes florida bay 
you know, Florida Bay is is a very special bay for this entire industry. Oh um, yeah, it's where saltwater fly fishing was born. You know, all those the original stories of bonefish and big tarpon, and you know, tying a little feather on a hook and casting it on you know uh, ground up monofilament line that was turned into fly line. Like that, that all happened right here. And um, uh, you know, Ted Williams bought a retired and bought a house in Isla Mirada and started these tarpon tournaments so that he could fish more. <laughs> I mean, uh, George Bush and presidents before him came down. I mean, it's the Bay of Bays. It's like 65% of the bonefish and permit world records right yeah. here. You know, um, it hasn't been good to us yet, Benny, but maybe we need no. to get on your boat. Don't be wrong. We've <laughs> seen a lot of big tarpon, but right. we've had some tough weather days. We've jumped a couple and... Man, tough. Well, it would be it would be my extreme honor to be able to put you on well, your first one of these guitar. days. We'd love to take you up on that. The only decent sized one that I've caught was like back bay laid up kind of deal, not like the clear water cruiser. And I got string. tooled around by a big one out on <laughs> out outside of Naples. It that sure. fish definitely kicked my ass. Yeah, but- Corinne saw one and it. <laughs> It went deep early and it was just, it just got ugly. It was like, yeah. uh, the deep fish really aren't fair. I, I, tr- I truly feel like those fish are, they're like the Mike Tyson's of, of tarpon. And, you know, they all have their own personalities. The ones that go straight to the deep water, they're, they're not meant to be caught. They're, yeah. they are, they're terrors. I have so many terrible tarpon tournament stories that have ended with, she went deep. <laughs> that was oh, it. <laughs> well, fish and I like weighed the same. Like it was a monstrous fish, right. and then she had forty feet of water on top of her, and <laughs> yeah, it was There's, a mess. Well, <laughs> to make, to make you, if you'd like to feel better, I have a couple world class anglers who think they can catch any tarpon who have yet to bring a big fish off the bottom to the boat. So it's just. It's one of those things. It's not. It's not very possible. So, yeah. Um, you, sh- you should feel good that that you're not alone in that regard. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, you have you have more more uh, uh, fortitude than me because if I hook a big fish and she goes deep, I'm I'm breaking it off immediately. I have nothing. I want nothing to do with that. Yeah. Well, afterwards, I literally said, "Okay, I'm never doing that again." Meaning, <laughs> like, not even tangoing with a fish of that size. Now I've come back around. I. I'd like to now tango with a fish that size, but not in 40 feet of water because yeah, right. that was a disaster. I mean, like an hour in, I was like, Corinne, somebody's got to start breaking somebody's <laughs> will here. And right now that's not going in your direction. <laughs> like this is, this is not good. Right. For sure. I, I totally feel you. But uh, well, my- we, have, we have lots of opportunity down here. So you guys just got to get your get down here. I'll, I'll yeah, make sure. I got to find the time. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait. Well, here's my uh selfish question for me and your clients from yesterday. For people who don't get a lot of shots at big tarpon or saltwater, like what's your tip, maybe one or two tips of like how do you get ready for that when you don't have a lot of shots? Yeah, for sure. So if you don't have the ability to get around tarpon and have a lot of shots and you're trying to come down and compete, the double haul is like I know that's like the number one thing everybody says, but I really could not stress that anymore. And yeah. it's not just a double haul that that gives you a couple of extra feet of line. You need to be able to shoot that line where you where you want it to be. 
between 60 and 70 feet and um, 40 feet, you know, your guide's going to do his best to make it happen. But the reality is those fish get so that their behavior changes so much between 60 and 40 feet. And so if you want a shot at catching one, that double haul is, is everything. Um, a couple other tips are learn how to cast without use, using your lower body. I tell my clients all the time, keep your legs silent. Uh, you know, the rocking of the boat, the movement, the sound, that, that changes everything for tarpon. Another tip is do not let go of the fly line. You're getting your double haul down and, you know, you know everybody wants that hero, you know, yeah, they're like shoot it in from behind kind of look. Yeah. Right. And they hold their fly rod out and, you know, it looks really great, except the fly, the tarpon just swam right by your fly because you weren't stripping it yet. Um, yeah. You can do that in a casting competition only. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> hold, hold on to your fly line. And then maybe the most important thing is to listen to your guide. You know, yeah. um, if you've got a tarpon guide, he he's watching, he's watching tarpon interact with flies and boats and fly fishermen 150 days a year. And he's not, he might get excited, probably will get excited. He probably will, you know, terrorize you a little bit, but the reality is he wants you to catch that fish. So if you, if your goal is to catch that fish, then listen to what he says. And, um, which is why, honestly, is why I love fishing with women. And that's why they come fish with me all the time because I, I love fishing with them. They listen. And, um, you know, you give me a, uh, you know, a fisherman who's been fishing up north for 30 years and is set in his ways. I mean, it's going to take me three or four days to break that will before <laughs> he'll start listening. You better um, pay for a full week. If yeah, that's right. Got to work through the ego and the old habits first. Every guide I've ever talked to has said the same thing. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I, I don't drink, but after the third day of that stuff, I'm, I mean, I'm in. Let's let's get let's get let's down a couple of beers. We gotta we gotta like, break I can the only curse. say slow it down so many times. <laughs> right, right. So, um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of tips, but you know, if you do those few things right there, then you're at least in the game, you know, and, um, and I tell people all the time, you know, like that's right. when you, when you go down to tarpon fish, you are truly on a team and you want that guy on the back of the boat to be on your team. Yeah. If you show up without a double haul, if you show up rocking the boat, if you show up letting your line go, he's not on your team anymore. He wants to get off that boat and you want right. to make sure he's on your team. So give him a couple of those things and listen. And I, I promise you it'll work out well. There you go. I think we're going to crush it next time. I can just go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. Well, sure. awesome, man. Well, give us a couple of plugs here. If people want to book a trip with you, how sure. could they do that? Well, I, I, um, I am difficult to get a hold of semi by design. Um, <laughs> there, there are, uh, I, I, you know, I'm very busy and, um, I, there are a lot of you great young guides on here, um, who need work and, um, and, and are very talented. The best way to get a hold of me is to go through Instagram. You can find me on Instagram any at any search of Benny or Blanco or Captain or Tarpon or but it's it's C A P T Benny Blanco. Um that's my tag. Um you can also find me at Guiding Flow TV, which is the show that I host um that is that revolves strictly around water issues, educating and making it trying to change the culture within this industry to make it cool talk about what the water issues are and to stand up and speak up for your water. Um, and that's on Waypoint TV, right? Yeah, you can actually list, you can watch the episodes on Waypoint TV. Um, but the Guiding Flow, we have uh, social pages on Facebook and on Instagram. You can find us there. 
that they're all connected to my, my personal social pages. Um, but all the actual episodes you can find on Waypoint, which you can download, you can download it, you can stream it. You, most of the new smart TVs have the actual programming already on it. Um, Waypoint's becoming pretty easy to access. And I have something like 17 or 18 episodes that are fishery specific all across the southeastern United States um, that delve into what the water issues are while we're catching these world-class fish with epic uh, guests. I've fished with Flip a couple times. I've got Chico on the boat, Carter Andrews, CA, Chris Whitman. You know, it's the entire industry speaking up and showing that it is cool to be a conservationist and to do the right thing. It's not so cool to to be the guy who's not. And um, (laughs) and so – uh, guiding, that's guiding flow TV. And that's the, that's the way you get a hold of me. And I, and I think you're going to ask me what organization I would want everybody to go to. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know, that that's captains for clean water. Um, awesome. you, you, you know, there's so much value in going to their page, uh, their webpage, not just to understand what's going on with the Everglades, but to really see what this outdoor community is capable of. Um, that's captains for clean and you can find them at Catchments Clean Water on both Facebook and Instagram as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It was such a pleasure to chat and hear some fun stories. And we really look forward to hopefully being on your boat one of these days. Oh, my God. I, I would love that. And I, I can't thank you enough for giving me an opportunity to talk about, you know, the stuff that I'm passionate about and to share a story and to maybe inspire someone to do the same. I, I can't thank you enough. Awesome, man. Well, take care. We'll be in touch. For sure. Cheers. Thanks.